Welcome to Heart of the Matter. I'm Sean McCraney. We have a show that you're not going to believe today. And uh, really grateful you're here. Imagine for a minute that you're sitting in the comfort of your home and you hear a knock on the door and you open it and there are two handsome men standing there and they're carrying a briefcase and they ask if they can come in and talk to you. They say they're fra- they are from the A. TFA, Americans for True Freedom Association, and that they want to call, come in and talk to you about true freedom in America. So you invite them in and you sit down and you begin to talk to them. And as you talk to them, you find out that they are not teaching what true American freedom is, but they are in fact communists. And they are teaching the joy and the happiness and the progressiveness of being a communist. You object to their message, but with each objection, they testify to you that what they're stating is true and what they're stating is real and is actually inspired. You quote the Constitution. You testify there's no better way. You try to discuss the essentials of capitalism with them, but with tears in their eyes, they bear witness that communism has changed their lives. That communism is a wonderful thing that everybody should appreciate and enjoy. And it's just been misunderstood. People really don't know what communism is all about. Here's the question about this scenario. Do the testimonies that were shared in this meeting from either side have anything to do with the truth? In other words, does a personal testimony mean anything of substance when it comes to truth And when it comes to knowing whether something is true, regardless of the topic or not. Welcome to Heart of the Matter. For the third time in 25 weeks, we have guests tonight. And they're very special guests that are going to speak to the topic of testimonies. And they're going to share theirs with you. We're going to talk and then open up the phone lines to questions. We'll give you that number in a minute. We're going to start with a word of prayer and then we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. We, we're grateful for this time on the air. We're grateful for all the provision that you've made for us to do this. Please be with our speakers, be with the people who are at home watching, and help us to share your message uh, from our heart, from our heads. In Jesus' name, amen. Several years ago, a friend of mine asked me to, uh, uh, he was LDS, to attend a meeting with him. And after much coercion, uh, I did. And at the end of the meeting, they opened it up to, uh, for people to stand and share their testimony. Uh, and this they did. Over and over again, people got up and they talked about how their lives had changed and they, that they had found the solution to many problems in their lives, that their financial picture had increased and gotten better and that they were now very secure. This was a new skin meeting. This was a multi-level marketing meeting for a corporate product where testimonies were born. Testimonies are often used to sell products, to convince other people, and to strengthen believers in a product or a system. Television commercials are filled with testimonies. Political regimes use personal testimonies to help strengthen what they're all about. Salesmen and women are huge on personal testimonies about their product. Are testimonies appropriate for the Christian? Well, let's turn to the Word and I'll read a few scriptures that talk about testimonies and what they're really about when it comes to the Bible. In uh, Isaiah 62, 6, it says, 
I have set a watchman upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. The, the operative word there, the operative phrase is, ye that make mention of who? Of the Lord in their testimony. The next one, Acts 1, 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Again, a testimony is a witness unto the Lord, unto God in your life. That's what testimonies are for. That's what a Christian testimony is for. It's for people to share the Lord and what he has done in their lives. If people start using testimonies to share something else, then it becomes the, uh, the effort to convince or to sway or to manipulate or share a product. And it's, 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 it's really meaningless when it comes to religious uh, effectiveness. The next uh, verse to consider, 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. For Christians, the hope that is in them is one thing. And one thing only, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so a testimony again shows that it's for the Lord, it's of the Lord, it's about the Lord. It's, and when it doesn't use the Lord's name, it says for the hope that is in you. Well, for a Christian, the hope is Jesus Christ. Uh, it relates to personal experience. Now this sometimes crosses over lines. Come in here, Psalm 66, 16. All that fear God and I will declare what he has done for my soul. This is what God does for me, and this is what we share in a testimony. Isaiah 63, 7, I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord. Again, about the Lord. Isaiah 43, 10, ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord. And when we witness, who are, what are we witnessing to? The Lord. I'm, I know I might be a little redundant here. John 15, 27, last one. And ye also shall bear witness, this is the Lord talking to his apostles, all right? And ye shall also bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. This is not only important of the Lord telling people to bear witness of him, but he's telling his apostles, you're going to bear witness of me because you've been with me from the beginning. You're a special witness. This is a really good answer to Latter-day Saints as to why apostles don't continue to go on and on and on, because when the special witnesses died, that was it. The special witnesses were over, but he says, you will bear testimony of me as these special witnesses of Christ. So when we come to bearing testimonies, we understand the Christian side relative to the word. When a Christian shares his or her testimony, it's to reinforce the importance of Jesus in your life. It, just like the center of all Christian beliefs, a testimony for a Christian is it's all about him. The LDS, which we talk about often on this show, and I have four LDS people sitting with me, or three uh, ex-LDS people sitting with me who are going to share their story with you tonight. But LDS have a testimony, and it typically goes like this. I want to bear my testimony. I know the church is true. I know that God lives and that Jesus is the Christ, my Savior. I know that Joseph Smith is a prophet, that the Book of Mormon is true, that Gordon B. Hinckley is a true and living prophet. 
And then they usually go into some type of gratitude. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my friends. And this is a, a, a prototypical testimony that is shared on a Sunday on their uh, fast Sunday services. Once a month, the members are allowed to come up and share this testimony. Now, because there aren't unbelievers in there, you're not going to hear the opposite effect. So it strengthens the people there to hear each other giving these testimonies. I uh, also have heard uh, people say, I know the church is true. And then I've heard other people bear testimony, Christians saying, I want you to bear testimony that I know the church is not true. And then the missionary will say, I know that Joseph Smith was a true prophet. And then the Christian says, I know that Joseph Smith was not a true prophet. All of these are testimonies. Where does it all lead? How, how is testimony effective in the Christian or the LDS life? Now, when I get the emails that I receive on the site, quite often I will respond in a certain way, and then I'll get another email back from the person who originally sent it, who's LDS, and they'll question further, and I'll respond in a way, and then they will say, I want you to know I know the church is true, and they bear their testimony to me often in the email. And I want you to know that my testimony is that it's not. So what do we do? Where do we look for the truth? The Christians look to the Word. They look to the Word of God to substantiate what the truth might be. I just want to talk about testimonies briefly because we're going to have some people share them with you now. Let me make some introductions. To my right is Jen. And uh, Jen was once... Oh, I'll let her tell the story. Jen is going to share with you her her history right now. Well, I'm originally from Virginia, and I was raised in the Mennonite Church in Virginia. I was raised as a Christian, and at 13 in 1993, I was baptized into the church, um, knew Jesus as my personal Savior. And then at 18, I, in high school, I met a guy who became one of my best friends in high school, and he was LDS. And he shared with me about his church, and, um, and in a way that presented himself as similar to my own and to my own understanding of what it meant to be a Christian. And through that, I got and in, started investigating the church and, or the LDS church, I should say. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, through those investigations, I read the Book of Mormon, I prayed about it, and I did get a feeling. And with that was uh, a feeling of security and stability and um, just a peace that came with that. Uh, within time though I started going through depression and other such things and it came to my knowledge that there had been a void in my life that I'd been missing since I left my own church uh, since I had left behind what I'd known about Christ and the nature of God and that God wanted to fill that void and it really meant um, depending no longer on a church but depending on His Son, our Savior as our Savior, um, and that alone, and that I couldn't do it on my own, and a church couldn't do it for me, but only Jesus could do that for me. Excellent. That is excellent. Thank you so much. We're going to do some questions and answers a little bit later uh, with everybody, but you just heard from somebody who was Christian and then was introduced to a Latter-day Saint and read the, read the Book of Mormon and had a good feeling about it. Now, I talked to Jen before, and she explained that she had so much hopes to, to have some kind of religious security and, and that time in her life. And it was really a self-fulfilled prophecy when she turned to her feelings to rely on her feelings about this book rather than um, 
what she knew Jesus to be from the Word of God and from her studies. And it happens to a lot of people. Feelings are not a, a reliable way to know the truth. They just aren't because we're all misled in different ways according to our feelings. Let's go to another testimony. This is Amy, who is a great help on the show of Heart of the Matter. And uh, Amy, why don't you share with the audience what you'd like to say? Gosh, okay, well, I was born and raised in Salt Lake City and raised as a Mormon. And um, our family was very active and we all loved the church, loved going to church and um, you know, actually the day that I got baptized was the day that I realized what a sinner I was. And um, that sounds weird, but the way, I mean, even as an eight-year-old child um, at the, the family barbecue after uh, the baptism, someone asked me a few questions and maybe it was several different people, but they went something like this. Um, so Amy, how does it feel to be completely clean? How does it feel to be um, pure? And um, well, you better choose the right from now on. And those phrases just really hit home. And I was really starting to feel um, a lot of angst about what my first sin would actually be. And so I, um, you know, maybe 15 minutes went by and I, I made a choice to purposely sin just to, to get it out of the way. And <laughs> it wasn't too bad, but um, actually I had mustard on my finger from my hot dog and there was a napkin sitting right here. And I looked at the mustard and then I looked at the napkin and finger, napkin, and then I chose to wipe it under the counter purposely just to alleviate a little pressure. And I know that sounds weird, but in retrospect, um, that was the first sin I, I committed consciously. And um, from that point on, I just was, was well aware of the fact that I was not righteous. And no matter how hard I tried, and believe me, I tried hard, um, the law was always there, weighing down on me. And um, and making me feel unworthy, which is what its purpose is. So, um, anyway, um, the man that God put in my life was not LDS, but I um, started dating him anyway, and um, I still, I wanted him to become Mormon, and I sent missionaries to his house, and we had major discussions and fights about it, but we still um, got married, had children. I was still holding to the fact that I was one day going to be sealed in the temple to this man, um, even though he was never uh, LDS and wanted nothing to do with it. So um, one uh, point in my life, God just really started drawing me in. And um, I had a hunger for the Bible that I never had before. And I was reading constantly and um, one night God had me stuck in the Old Testament which um, as you know it's full of it's the law it's legalism and it's it's all about um, living up to God's righteous standards which no one can do and um, so I just knew I needed a savior but I didn't know 
how I could attain that. And so I'm, I'm reading and flipping back and forth all over the place, just looking for an answer. And um, about three o'clock in the morning, I came across the parable of the lost sheep. And that is when I became born again after I read that. And um, I won't read the whole thing to you, but it's basically if, if suppose one of you has 100 sheep and he loses one, um, does he not leave the 99 and go in search of the, the, the lost sheep? And he said, um, when, when he finds it, he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. And it says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. And that is when God had my heart. And I um, cried out to him and I gave my life to him. And I was a new creation from that point on. Praise so, God. Yeah. Praise God. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. All right, we are going to our uh, final um, testimony right now. And this is Greg. And Greg has a different uh, past with the church and he's gonna share what he's experienced. Yeah. Um, I was born and raised here in Salt Lake City. Uh, both sides of my family come from uh, the original uh, beginnings of the church, um, crossing the plains, etc. And uh, went through the whole uh, system, primary, and uh, I was a Bronic priesthood, a deacon, teacher, priest. Uh, went to four years of seminary, graduated from seminary. Um, I went out on a mission. And uh, for two years, and came back from a mission, and was married in the temple. And uh, uh, when I was out on my mission, I read the New Testament for the first time, and uh, uh, I, I remember thinking very strongly that uh, the LDS believe very strongly that it is the restored church. And I remember reading in the pages of the New Testament and thinking, how could this? Uh, be the restored church. It didn't look anything like what was in the New Testament. And um, I got to a point in my life later on over a period of a couple years where um, I had just done everything the way I was supposed to. Um, I did everything right and uh, um, everything just seemed to fall apart. And uh, and that was over a period of a couple years. But um, when I was about 25, 26 years old, I kind of went back to uh, some of the discussions that I'd had when I was a missionary with uh, Christians. Um, the very first time I'd actually met evangelical, Bible-believing, faith in Christ, Christians. And uh, uh, over a process of time, uh, I uh, gave my life to Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm here tonight with you guys. Awesome. <laughs> Let me uh, go and we'll open up the phone lines. I'd like to make a couple comments as the operators are taking the call. First of all, if you were young when you joined the LDS Church, you probably were very similar to Jen and you didn't know what it was about. It seemed like a very good organization and it takes reading. We were talking about Gerald and Sandra Tanner's work and how um, solid it is in the facts of Mormonism. There's a lot of junk out there But uh, Gerald and Sandra Tanner at Utah Lighthouse Ministries can provide you with facts about the church that you probably have never heard. When you know the facts, that's what you should operate on. Not the feeling, not the testimony, because it makes you feel like you belong. Everybody wants to belong. Everybody wants to be called brother and sister. But the real thing are the facts. And when you have the facts, then you can operate 
from there. So I challenge you, if you join the church as a teenager because it was a social thing and you're just going along thinking it's a great church and the true church, I suggest that you really search it out. It will help. The second thing is if you are in a part member family, if you are LDS and you're a wife and your husband is uh, not and you're fighting over going to church and how to raise the kids, I suggest another alternative. I say, okay, let's, let's just go check out a good Christian church. Let's see what that's about. And what's going to come into your marriage is a peace like you can't believe. It's going to come and all the agonizing over the religion and whether to be part of it and am I sealed and what about my children and all the things that part member families go through, which I read all the time, you can have a peace through Jesus and a relationship with him and your marriage will be better than you could ever believe with Christ at the center. Finally, going to Greg's testimony, if you were born and raised in the church, if you've served a mission, if you're in there now and you wonder sometimes and you have questions, search it out. Go to your knees and ask the Lord. Put it in God's. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to them. Go to the, go to the Lord and say, tell me. I want to know. Reveal to me the truthfulness of your word, your plan for, this, for my life. I will do anything, Lord, if you do that. And trust him. And you're going to see doors open like you can't believe of the truth and how your life will change for the better. So we've had three. Finally, I want, you to, I want to say that I am not here to try to convert the stalwart Mormons who really firmly, absolutely believe they're right. Because you, you're set in your ways and you think you know and you can go ahead and do that. Now, if the Lord wants to change your heart, he's going to do that. But we are here reaching out to the people who know there's something there. In your heart, there's always been a question. In your heart, you always say, golden plates, historically accurate, doctrine and covenants, pearl of great price, all these temple ceremony, what? That's in your heart for a reason. Search to go to the Lord, turn your life and will over to him, and you will have success in knowing him. We're going to Bruce in Kaysville on line two. Bruce, you're on Heart of the Matter. Bruce, you got to turn your TV off. Bruce. Bruce. Oh, wait a minute. Are you talking? Are you there, Bruce? Well, I'm Douglas, and it's not Bruce. Uh, oh. What's your name? Douglas. Sorry, Douglas. My, my, okay. my fault. Um, the testimony that uh, all of us should have is not just about Jesus Christ and, and, and the Father that's in heaven and who created us, but we should have a testimony of the truthfulness of all the things we've ever been taught okay. by our parents, what, what we've learned at school, what we learned from our friends. Okay. And it, as we search, as we get to a certain age in life, mm -hmm. we begin to examine all the things we've been taught. Okay. And then we have to take the time to search in our own heart. We have to investigate. If you begin to have serious doubts about a lot of the things you've been taught at church, uh -huh. if you look at some of the doctrines, like you mentioned, the Father, uh, who is uh, flesh and blood and has... Yeah millions of spirit babies over the course of time right and we can someday become a god like him right when you look at the bible and you realize the bible says in many places that the father is of spirit right 
and not of flesh. So what is what are you saying? And, and we know that he's the only God, the only true God, and that uh, that we're not going to become God someday. Okay, so with regard to with with regard to testimony, what are you saying? Give me the final yeah. thing. Well, yeah, and what I, what I believe is important mm -hmm. is that what we believe is true, what our testimony should be, mm -hmm. is something we've taken the time to investigate and okay. to look at the facts, to look at Joseph Smith and the gold plates and all, right. all of the temple like you just mentioned. So you're saying that a testimony is not just a belief and because you've been told to believe it, it's something that you've investigated and then you can really have a testimony. Yeah, and that becomes real truth. Okay, here. good point. Good point. Good clarification. We learned from it. You guys have a nice evening. Thanks so much. It was wonderful to hear the testimonies of these, these three wonderful people. It was, wasn't it? You know, it was wonderful. Inspired yeah. me. Thank you so much for watching. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. We're going to Diana and Sandy on line three. Diana, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi there. Hi. Love your show. Thanks. And um, I just would like to put a challenge out there for LDS people. Okay. And um, I would like to have them call in and talk to you about what parts of the Bible they don't believe. I, I'm, I don't have an understanding of what they don't believe. They say they believe in the Bible uh -huh. as far as it's translated. Yeah. What part do they not believe? They've ne I've never had any one of them tell me. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Diana, that's a great challenge, and uh, we embrace that right now. These guests are waiting to answer the biblical questions. But you know what? Here's another interesting thing, and I think you're kind of alluding to that. And that is, when Latter-day Saints say they believe the Bible as far as it's translated correctly, how do they know what's translated correctly and what's not? So you really can't believe anything you read in it, because you're really not sure if it was translated correctly or not. And it puts the whole thing into question, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, too. All right. Thank you for the call. You've thrown the challenge out there. Let's see uh, what happens. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Diana. Bye-bye. We're going to Bruce and Kaysville on line four. Bruce, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yeah, I just wanted to comment. I just I wanted to comment on the ever-changing story of the church. Oh. You know, uh, I was this Da Vinci Code movie came out, right? Uh-huh. And what happened, as I was watching the news, I think it was Channel 4, and they said, you know, there's a lot of, a question posed was Jesus married to Mary Magdalene. Right. Well, the, they they said on the news that the church has never said that he was married. Well, that's a lie. Uh, in the Journal of Discourses, I was reading what John Taylor said at one of their conference meetings and early on one in the... Uh -huh. uh, he said that Jesus wasn't married to Mary. He was married to Martha and Mary, the sisters of Lazarus, too. Right. So the church outright lied on TV. Yeah, uh, I mean, it just ever-changing Mormon story. I just, it's, they change it to fit today. It just, and I can't believe anybody can believe in this, uh, you know. I mean, he read a stone from his hat. That's, that's how he translated it, right. I heard. And lot, he was a, lot a con of stuff man, a gold digger, and if your faith wasn't good, the treasure disappeared. He was, Joseph yeah. Smith was a total fraud, a false prophet, and I can't believe anyone believed that. Yeah, well, they believe it for a number of reasons, and I believed it for a number of reasons, and everybody sitting here did too. Uh, at least three of us believed it because, you know, we were taught that's what it was. When you're a very young child, I mean, you sing Book of Mormon stories that my teacher tells to <laughs> yeah. me.
or about the Lamanites of ancient yeah. history. Yeah, it's got a great <laughs> rhythm, and it's boom, 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 boom. You're like, you, and it must be true. And I mean, you, this stuff just, just saturates your every part of your being. Right, it's How, like yeah. brainwashing, and the way they bear testimony, like you were saying earlier, I was watching. Yeah. I know the church is true. I know Joseph Smith's a prophet. Right. I know, I know, I know. I know, I know. It's true. And, you know, I was reading my Bible the other day at work. I was at lunch, and I was reading a, my I have a little Old Testament I carry with. Good for you. And um, right now I'm reading the Old Testament again. And I was sitting there reading it, and a co-worker who's, you know, Rick's College, BYU-Idaho guy, mm -hmm. real nice kid, have you read the Book of Mormon? And then, have you read the Book of Mormon? That's all he asked. Yeah. Yeah. You keep fighting the fire out there, Bruce. Thanks for the call. You bet. Okay, bye-bye. You know, before we go to Brent in Salt Lake on line one, uh, do you, what do you guys think about uh, the approaches that people use to reach Latter-day Saints? There seems to be a honey approach and a vinegar approach. There's the approach of, you know, Jesus and loves you and you're a sinner and you have to come to know that. And there's the uh, Joseph rode white goats uh, with a magic hat on all night long approach. I mean, which, what do you guys think of the different approaches? Let's go with Greg. Well, I think there's uh, kind of right now, I, I've seen this a lot, is either love or law. Oh. And uh, uh, I mean, you can't lose with, with, with love, of course, and you can't, I mean, the law is there. But I think LES people have very much of the law. You grew up with the law. I mean, there's not, in my opinion, not a group of people in the U.S. that could recite the Ten Commandments probably more thoroughly than the LDS people. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody's going to get very far law-based. Yeah. Um, and I think it would be a need, and just showing them a need for uh, how the law condemns us, actually. And uh, it's there to, uh, uh, it brought about, brought about sin. And uh, so to answer your question, uh, uh, Showing a need, you know, just showing a need, not necessarily vinegar, sugar, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Amy, uh, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, law does draw, pe or love draws people in, and the law definitely convicts. Um, so I think you do need a little bit of both, but also you need, um, you need biblical truth. You need to understand that, um, your righteousness does not come from yourself and um, mm. that it can come only from Jesus. It's mm. all about his righteousness. It's not, you don't have any of your own. Very good. Um, Very good. And Jen. Hey, I'm from the South, so uh, we always believe you catch more flies with honey. Um, so yeah, I'd say love. I mean, it was through love that God brought me to him because he loved me so much. I mean, we can all quote John 3:16, mm -hmm. for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. And um, it's because of that, that because of the love God shown to me that I want to share that with others. Amen. So There's a scripture that I think of uh, when it comes to this topic, and it's my intent when it comes to Latter-day Saints, Romans uh, 10, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel or to the Mormons for me is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And this goes to what Amy was saying. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves 
unto the righteousness of God. Okay? So I think that plays into what everybody said here. We're going to go to Brent in Salt Lake on line one. Brent, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Brent, how you doing? I'm doing great. This is Joanne. And do you remember last week when I called you and I said, how do you truly know when you're saved? I do. Well, I was reading Luke today, not, not two hours ago, and I came across this parable of the lost sheep. And all my life, I've kind of felt like Amy, like I was always guilty, like I always knew I was a sinner. And they said, kept telling me I was clean, I was clean, but I knew I was a sinner. Oh, good. And when she read that, I thought, he does love me, even though I'm a sinner. He yes. Me. Round of applause from the panel. <laughs> the camera people are applauding. He loves you. That's right. <laughs> I, I just started crying because it really hit home to me. That's wonderful, Joanne. We praise God for that. And keep believing it. You know, the devil's going to start whispering into your ear, oh, you don't believe that. And, and you're, you know, you're really, a, you're really unforgiven. You need to prove to God how worthy you are. And you've proven to God through your faith that you're worthy by believing on his son. That's where you're, that's where you're proving it. Right there is through your faith. Anybody else? You're any? telling me to read the Bible and, and, and doors would open. And today, look at what happened. We love the joy in your voice. Praise God. Thanks for the report. Okay. Thank you. Okay. God bless you. Bye-bye. God bless you. We're going to Tanya on line three from Hiriam. Harriman? Harriman, yes. Sorry, Tanya. Fire, fire away. Um, you know what, Sean? My husband and I have been watching you just kind of grow through this ministry of yours over the last couple of years, and it's just awesome to see you. And we just just thank God for you and your heart in Salt Lake, and we just are praying for you and just um, think what just we just pray that I can learn from you because I wasn't brought up LDS. My husband was. Oh. And so I don't understand, even though I've been a Christian since I was five, I don't understand how to witness to Mormons. I see. So uh, through your program, we've been able to do that and just keep rocking on for Christ, guys. Thanks, we Tanya. You. Thank you every week. Thank you so much for your support and uh, really appreciate it. Okay. Thanks. God bless. Bye-bye. You know, I want you to know it's not me. I'm the biggest goof in the world. You can tell by just looking at me. I'm a goof. But the Lord's opened the door, and I step through, and I'm just doing what He wants. He does that with everybody, with your skills, with what you do. That's most important to Him. He wants you to use your heart for Him with others. And as you do that in love, like we've talked about, and with the law, and to share, the Lord is going to use you greatly in this state. Don't be afraid. Share with your neighbors and your friends. We're going to Marsha. Uh, First-time caller on line two. Marcia from Ogden. You're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi. This is Sean. This is. Hey, Sean. This hey. is Marcia. Um, hey, I just wanted to bear my testimony. I've been a Mormon for 40 years, born and raised in the LDS Church, and I wanted to say that um, the, the main point for me in becoming a born-again Mormon Christian is that I was born and raised in the LDS Church for 40 years, and I knew no, I knew nothing else. And I think that that's true for a lot of people. And I think that a lot of converts to the Mormon Church, they were never born and raised, uh, or, or they didn't have any uh, Christian outlet as far as 
regarding the Bible, the Book of Mormon, as the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was born again, I began to investigate, not just by my heart, but by my brain, by all of my facilities, uh, the things of the Word of God, and that spoke to me bigger, louder, with such emphasis that I couldn't deny the Bible. Awesome. And I, my change for me became, it wasn't automatic, but it was very close to automatic, and I couldn't bear to believe in the things that the Mormon Church taught anymore. And So the Word was the key. The Word was the key, because when I read the Word, there wasn't any doubt in, in me. Now, for some people, there might it might be a little bit different, but sure. for me, when I read the Word, there wasn't a doubt. There wasn't this thing that the Mormons do that asks you to read the Book of Mormon and pray about it and ask for a feeling. A mm-hmm. feeling is a, a physical thing. Right. Now, I used all of my facilities as a human being, as a spirit, and I asked in that way, and the answer was so overwhelming that I could not ever walk into a Mormon church. Yeah. Really appreciate it, Marcia. Appreciate all your support and love, and really appreciate the testimony. You're welcome, Sean, and I pray for I pray for your ministry, and I pray that the word of God go forth um, in fire. Thanks so much. God bless. God bless you. Bye-bye. Question for our panel. Um, I get this quite often, and I have no response because I'm uh, guilty probably of all things, but people will email and say, uh, what couldn't you handle? Uh, how come you uh, left the church? What was so difficult for you? What commandments did you break? And I frankly broke commandments, and I was a sinner, and I couldn't find peace with God any other way until Jesus took over my life, and he's done that. And now I'm not a sinner in the sense that I go out and do the same things I was doing before. So that's my answer to that question. But what do you say, Jen, when someone says, you couldn't handle it? Hey, I couldn't. Um, I was there for a year, and in that time... I experienced an emptiness that I didn't have before. I mean, worldly, you have things to do. You have activities. Like, I I was 18. I was social. I could go to the dances. I could go to seminary. I had lots of options, and all those things were good. But as far as just having that personal relationship with Christ, being able to, to get into His Word and find out who God is and who what He wants to do in your life, you know, I was really wrapped up in what I could be doing in the church and not what God wanted to do in my life. Awesome. So it was, yeah, I All couldn't right. handle that. All right. We're going back to Amy. Um, yeah, I couldn't really handle it either. I mean, it's, um, it's a lot to handle, yeah. being perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but that, that verse in James is really perfect. You know, whoever keeps the whole law, whoever does everything perfectly, but yet stumbles at just one point, breaks one commandment, is guilty of breaking all of them. That's right. So we're all lawbreakers. Okay, wait. Did you hear that, audience? Did you hear that? Say it again. Listen closely to what she's saying. Okay? She's going to turn to it. 
This is a really important point for Latter-day Saints to understand, okay? okay. Here we go. James 2.10, for whoever keeps the whole law, whoever lives perfectly, and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. That goes for, he also said, do not lie, do not steal, do not covet. So if you break any one of those, you're guilty of, you're a lawbreaker, you're guilty. So. Excellent. And Greg? Yeah. <laughs> I think to the best that, um, of uh, my knowledge, you know, I did do it in the sense that uh, I, I heard once in seminary that uh, Jesus takes up the slack. That that what we, you know, we we, we do the best that we can. Where, where that 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 line is extremely subjective, yeah. and will drive you crazy um, pursuing it. But um, I actually, my take on it is, I uh, uh, actually was um, I really enjoyed being LDS. I enjoyed the religion. I, it was very much a part of me. It was very difficult to leave. But I think what happened was that logic kicked in, in the sense that if Jesus Christ died for sin, then what am I doing? Amen. And it's that simple. Yeah. Hey, amen. Great messages. Great messages, point of view. Before we go to the next caller, quickly, uh, this question has been sent three times on the show, and I, and I have to answer it because this person really wants the answer. And the question is, what's thicker, blood, family, or religion? Meaning, what's, what's thicker? What's more important, your religion or your family? And then he says, is blood and family more important than religion, or is religion, quote, uh, I mean, parentheses, faith, more important? And I want you to know that uh, in my life, there is nothing more important than my faith in Jesus Christ. Nothing. And it's not like it's a hierarchy because then I'm a better husband because of my faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm a better father because of my faith in Jesus Christ. So therefore, Jesus Christ comes first. There's nothing more important than my faith in Jesus Christ. And I will follow him to the exclusion of being a father and a husband and a city civic leader or a television show host. Nothing is more important than my faith in Jesus Christ. And so religion takes a far back seat uh, when it comes to that. Now, as far as uh, family, they're very important to me. And they're way up there on my list of priorities here on this earth. But as far as uh, choosing between, oh, I'm worried about my family rejecting me and following what I know Jesus wants me to do, there's just no question. If, if I had to be divorced uh, to follow Jesus, I would divorce. If I had to leave my children, I would leave my children. That's scary to hear, I know. But Jesus never wants me to do that, and so it's not going to happen in that way. Okay, but I just want to set the priority for this person who writes this question all the time. Let's go to Daniel on line four from Pleasant View. He's a first-time caller. Daniel, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey. Hey, Sean. How you doing? Doing well. How are you? Doing good. Hey, um, I just had a question. Um, you were talking earlier that you know, we have to have uh, the facts to, to know the truth. Yes. So how do we know what the facts are? Well, if you're talking about the Bible, there's some, there's some great research, and we've, we have a show on the Bible, but there's some great research, and we have a lot of manuscript evidence, and we have a lot of books like Norman Geisler, and what's that guy who wrote uh, Evidence Demands a Verdict? Josh McDowell. Those books, if you want to know facts about the Bible and whether to trust it, 
that's the way to go. And the reason I use that and go straight to that is because God's word is there to help you understand him and help you understand Jesus. Now, if you want to go to the facts about Mormonism, you, you, then you go search those out too. And quite frankly, there are none when it comes to the Book of Mormon. As far as substantiated facts, it's all fluff. And, and, and I get people who will email and say, no, it's not, you know, but it really is. There really is no substantiated fact where there are substantiated facts versus about the Bible. Um, now, we are faith-based too. And faith is the substance of things not seeing the evidence, substance and evidence. So it's not just about believing something that you feel. It's about substance and evidence and using that to support your faith. And that God works with us in that way because we're human. How, how can you know, you, you can't trust in the arm of flesh, you know, no. you can't trust in what men, what men are saying, you know, all the, you know, everything that's, that's written, how do you, it could have been written by some man and someone else uh, substantiated it, and, you know, I'm kind of reminded of uh, when, when Christ appeared uh, to his disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he was speaking with them, and they said, did not our hearts burn within us? Should we have not known that that was Jesus the Christ? Uh -huh. I, you you got to have um, revelation from God, and you, you have to have that feeling, you know, confirm what what His Word, so that you know that that Word is actually from His mouth. Well, let me ask you a question. What makes your feeling different than the Jehovah's Witness or the Muslim who has the feelings that what they're doing is true? That's the thing. You have to. You have to ask God, and He has. They to... ask God. They they live for God. What's that? I, I can't quite hear. They that. ask God. They live for God. There's Muslims who live for Him and say they know God has told them that they're on the right path. Jehovah's Witnesses who God has told them they're on the right path. People at Waco, Texas, burning in a building. God told them they are on the right path. How can you tell the difference? You can tell the difference in your heart. You. you... No. These people told the difference in their heart. Their heart told them what they were doing was true to the death. How can you, how do you differentiate between what you're saying and what the other cultists and, and, and people say? Because you can only know for yourself. I don't know what... No, because then it's all relative. If, and and if, it's, if it's moral relativity and you can only know for yourself, then everybody's right. No. Well, then you're saying that only your way is right. They, no, they, they doesn't, it doesn't mean that they, you know, that they... Um, just because someone says they're right doesn't mean they are. Right. I understand what you're saying. Can I say something about that? Yes. We, Greg's gonna, Greg has a comment. Okay. The, 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 um, one other note. Um, I've heard a lot uh, said about, um, you know, that how it used to be the law before Christ, and now that Christ came, we're all saved by, uh, by, by grace. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd just like to read a passage in, the, in Ezekiel that... It's always been the case. We are saved by grace. No matter how much we do, you're right. We cannot. We we can't make it there on our own. You misunderstand when people say that about the law. The law could never save. It never has been able to save. Never. And we always have been saved by grace and by faith. You're right. Exactly. But this, I just came across this scripture recently, and it's great. It's Ezekiel 33:12. Okay. Um, Therefore, thou son of man. Say unto the children of thy people, The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. As for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall thereby in the day that he turneth from his wickedness. Neither shall the righteous be able to live for his righteousnesses in the day that he sinneth. Great scripture. Love it. 
and it goes on. It's great. Thank you. Listen, Greg had a comment to what you were saying earlier. Go ahead, Greg. I was just going to tell you, Daniel, that the Word of God tells us that the heart is deceptive and without Ooh. cure. Mm -hmm. That's true. Um, but we, we have to, to know the truth of anything. We have to pray and ask God. That is the only way we can know that the Bible is true. It is the only way that we can know that anything is true. Well, it actually, it actually tells us to test the Word. And you're, you're going to see that in the fruit of what happens in your own heart. And God is in the business of humbling us and breaking our hearts and taking pride from us. In, in my view, pride is like the antithesis of God's glory. We all want to be gods of our own lives. And the truth is, is that God is God. He is the only God. Amen. And, it, and the, He humbles our hearts. He wants a broken heart and a contrite spirit. It says specifically that in consideration of a broken heart and a contrite spirit, he doesn't even want sacrifices. He wants a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And that is a sacrifice he wants. Anyway, hey, hey, thank you. Hey, thanks for calling. Uh, we're, we're new at the panel thing, but we're getting our uh, system down here. But thank you so much, and good point. I love that Ezekiel scripture. And it goes on. It's a great, great passage. We'll check that one out. Thank you. Okay, thank Take you. care. God bless. We're going to Galen on line three. Galen, you're on Heart of the Matter. Okay, thank you. Oh, you got to turn your TV set down, Galen. Okay. We had a lot of trains tonight, haven't we? Hello. Hello, Hello Galen. Okay, can you hear me now? We can hear you, Galen. You're on, you're on the air. Okay. It's been great to listen to your testimonies. Uh, I'm a died in wool Latter-day Saint. I study the New Testament two or three times a year. I go through it thoroughly. I read a lot of evangelical Christian uh, literature all the time. I've met with many, many of them, many of their uh, missionaries and so on, and I still believe the Latter-day Saints are going to beat them in the long term. But uh, do you guys think I'm crazy? Uh, yeah, I think you're crazy. <laughs> okay. But I love you. <laughs> but I love you, Galen. Okay. Well, uh, Can I tell you why? Yeah. I don't understand how you read the New Testament twice a year and study it, talk with evangelicals, and still believe that you are doing anything to save yourself. I oh, yes, we're still doing many things to save ourselves, for heaven's sake. Oh, I mean, that's Galen. the interpretation of the New Testament. Oh, Galen. Galen, that's, that's why I think you're crazy, but just in that way. Well, the problem is, is that uh, they need to present something that's very different. I find many things going on in evangelical Christianity I find very disturbing. I do, too. I'm right with you. I'll stand up right now and tell you the things I find disturbing. Well, I'm so completely do I. in your Why corner. should I join evangelical Christianity if they can't unify on the Holy Spirit? Well, you shouldn't join evangelical Christianity. You should be a born-again Christian and start your own church. Christianity really is, is a born-again Christian. It is, but it's not Mormonism. Well, we're not talking about Mormonism. Okay. We're talking so, about evangelical. Okay, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I am in your boat. If you don't want to join evangelical Christianity, don't. But I'll tell you right now, I meet with Chuck Smith a couple times a month. You sit at his feet, you're not going to find these disturbing things. That guy teaches the word, he knows his stuff. I mean, come on, there are good ones out there. Charles Stanley, he's oh, very... Oh, yes, stuff. I've listened to Charles Stanley. I yeah. listen to him on a regular basis. Yeah, the so there's good ones out there. About baptism, it was a very interesting discussion, yeah. but not true. 
but not true. <laughs> many mistakes, many contradictions he made that he danced around Scripture on. Wow, I find that I find that tough to believe, but I know that's your opinion. How can you believe that you're still doing things to save yourself, Galen? Have you been born again? Uh, yes, I've been born again. You How do you find know? that in the fifth chapter of Alma, if you care to read. I, I've read fifth cha chapter of Alma. How do you know you're born again, Galen? I know I'm born again because I believe in Jesus Christ and I believe in the gospel that okay. he teaches okay. and what he tells you to do okay. in order to be a Christian. What does that mean to you as far as uh, if you fell over and died, knowing that you're born again? What it means to me is the Lord Jesus Christ has set up a covenant relationship and the covenant relationship has two relationships. It has you and the Lord Jesus Christ, not just the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Okay, I agree with that. No, Absolutely. You, you believe it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe I believe that the covenant relationship is with you and the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in believe sanctification. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. It is all about him because he gives you the strength to follow him, Galen. You don't do it on your own strength. Yes, but if he gives you the strength to follow him, that still proves that uh, those works that he does through you are essential for salvation because he desires that they... But he does them. Yes, but he desires that they be there. Absolutely. No, there. no, no. The works there. are essential for salvation. But it's no not your good works. Them. It's his good works through you for having faith and following him. Yes, but uh, individuals must, uh, you cannot serve God uh, without having love in him, and love is impossible without doing good works. Um, well, what about the thief on the cross? The thief on the cross, there are many problems in there. How do you know that he wasn't baptized? You don't know. I'm not talking about baptism. I'm talking about his good works. Okay, he did some good works. How do you know? Good works, what you're telling me. Is what we know about him, it doesn't look like he did any good works. Oh, yes, he did good works. How Here's do you know? He did good works. How do you know? He good works. He was doing evil works, and you're telling me that he went to heaven doing evil works. I'm telling you, yeah, because he accepted Jesus Christ. We all do evil works. You do too, Galen. Well, if he did evil works, then how could he go to heaven? Because he was saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay, if he were saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, that would make him perfect because the Lord would be working through perfect him. Perfect through Christ, through. absolutely. So, uh, right? your argument that the thief on the cross didn't do any good works is really not valid. Okay, I don't understand the jump there, but you know what? I like your mind because you're sharp and you got a lot of things to say, but I still think you're crazy for following that Mormon church. Um, <laughs> Uh, evangelical Christianity is one of the biggest mixed up messes I have ever seen. In yeah, my well, life. that All was you, you know your you know your New Testament. You know it was prophesied. And you know that that uh, in the revelation to uh, to John, uh, Christ's revelation to John, it told you what the condition of the church would be in the last days when the Laodicean church. We know it's going to be ugly. You're not telling us anything we don't know. Okay, but you deny it by saying that the church. Uh, can uh, have all of these denominations and still be a true church and yet be based on the power of the Holy Spirit. That's nonsense. I, I don't. Uh, I didn't follow you there, but all I know is that uh, the Holy Spirit cannot teach untruth. How you have all these different people who claim that they get their doctrines from the Bible and yet those doctrines do not agree. Yeah, I don't think they're on the essentials. We've had this discussion before. Well, uh, yeah, the essentials are what? They, they agree on the essentials. Galen. is in a vast state of horrible... They, you're right, I agree. But it doesn't make it not true. The right. Bible is true. It makes it not true because... Mormonism uh, people, might be in a state of perfect corporate stuff. unity, but that doesn't make it true either. You're going to make me use the C word. 
That because that's all they are. And yet, you, so you're relying on a man-made institution that functions like Disneyland. And you're trying to say that that shows that it's true because Christians argue. The apostles of Jesus argued with each other, Galen. You want a perfect utopian society. It doesn't exist in this fallen world. But they followed Paul's counsel that they should not go out and establish uh, denominations just because they got angry with one another and they couldn't agree on what the Holy Spirit They had different from. beliefs and gatherings all over the place, from, the, from Antioch to uh, Alexandria to all of them. They were, they were going different directions from the get-go. Galen, too much time with you, but I like your mind. Keep calling back. I got to cut it off. All right, brother? <laughs> Galen got mad at me. I finally got Galen to get mad at me. All right. Uh, we have one minute left. Any parting thoughts? We're going to Greg. Oh, I'm good. <laughs> Greg is good on the parting thought department. Amy? Um, read Titus chapter 3. That's my parting thought. Titus chapter 3, the recommendation for all Latter-day Saints and Christians and non-believers and atheists and pygmies. Whatever you are, read Titus chapter 3. That's a recommendation from our guest, Jen. You know, it's just go to God's Word. I mean, he has it laid out so simply, and I know that can be so hard to accept that it's so simple, but it really is. And when we accept that, you know, He comes into our lives, and He wants to do great and powerful things. In our, in our lives. I mean, one of my favorite scriptures is Philippians 1.6. Being confident in this very thing, he which hath begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion in Jesus Christ. So Amen. that's where we have that promise. Amen. Well, uh, I want to thank our guests. I want to thank our callers, our viewers, all of you who send emails, people who are ordering the book. Uh, we love you. We're grateful. We're not killing uh, the church. We love the Mormon people. I just can't stand the theology and we're going to fight against it. Join us next week, 8 o'clock for Heart of the Matter and we'll see you then. I'm on a ride Going nowhere I am an existential Cowboy On the wind And I won't be coming out, I'm going in. This man's awake, a storm's arising, the dawn's awaiting till a hundred monkeys know. I can feel the light-filled monkey start 